Welcome back into our series, The Calling. And I appreciate Brock doing double duty back here today. Colby had knee surgery this week. And I'll be praying for him. He's uh, recovering and his medicines have zonked him out a little bit. Uh, but thank you, Brock, for uh, playing both sides of the booth today. Also, I'd like to thank you for praying for our son Dawson. Many of you heard on the prayer chain, he had emergency colon surgery. Thursday night down in Texas, and they took out about a third of his colon uh, because it had become twisted to the point where it was 100% blocked. And so it was a very uh, severe situation, and he's, uh, they've got him up walking, and he's recovering well. And so be praying for him. Pray especially for his fiance. They're supposed to be married a week from Thursday here in Idaho, and I think she's more worried than, he's, than he is hurt. So, um, so be praying for all of them, and uh, it's a good story. Uh, one of my favorite parts of it, Cody, our son that's in the Marines, you got to FaceTime last night, and so we were asking how he is doing, and he said, I got this crazy message from Dawson, call me right now, it's an emergency, and the Marines, uh, the part he's in right now, they don't get their phone except for only a couple days a week, and so he got his phone and called, and yeah, Dawson's telling him this whole story, and um, Dawson says, you know, Cody, I have a really high pain tolerance, and, and uh, so when I, you know, was hurting this bad, I knew I had to go in, and Cody said, he lost me at high pain tolerance, because he does not have a high pain tolerance. <laughs> um, so just the brotherly aspect of that just cracked me up, so I was dying laughing. Uh, but we are in this series, The Calling. And so far, we've looked at three New Testament passages. In 1 Corinthians 1, we saw the theme, we preach Christ. Uh, in Ephesians 1, we saw the hope of His calling. And last Sunday, in Philippians 3, we saw the high calling of God. This morning, let's go to 2 Thessalonians, where we're going to see the subject, worthy of this calling. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And don't forget, next Sunday is our once-a-year Missions Sunday, and it's a special day when we recognize God's calling for all of us to be a part of worldwide evangelism. Uh, right after the morning service, as Scott mentioned, we are having an international luncheon out in the gymnasium, and I hope you can come. Uh, hope you've been thinking about, about what you'd like to bring. Yeah, I know that it's going to be uh, an interesting challenge because we only have so many outlets out there and things, but uh, try to bring what you can. If you can bring something that does not require a crock pot, then that would be really nice, okay? Because <laughs> we run out of plug-ins out there. Uh, but I appreciate Linda and her team and are getting ready all for that next Sunday. So you bring what you can. You know what requires no crock pot? Cream puffs. Belgian cream puffs, right? No crockpot for that. They may need a freezer, but no crockpot. Uh, so I hope you've been thinking about that. Let me mention one other thing before we read the passage this morning. If you are 12 and above and you play an instrument or have a vocal talent uh, that you'd like to use for the Lord, I would like to meet with you for just a couple minutes right down here this morning after the service. And then because I'm getting up there in my age in forgetfulness, if someone would remind me that I just made that announcement 
at the end of the service so that I can remind you. Okay, so yeah, remind me and I'll remind you. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, and let's read this short chapter. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus under the church of Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. And the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe." because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're going to focus on verse number 11 for our theme this morning that our God would count you worthy of this calling. Now, the question for starters, how could it possibly be that God would count us worthy of anything, much less the calling that he has placed on our lives? I mean, we are unrighteous. We've all gone out of the way. There's none that does good, no, not one. And so we're going to see why would it be that God would count us worthy and look at that answer here this morning. The notes are provided in your bulletin, and we also have kids' bulletins for uh, the boys and girls today, and the notes are on the Uversion app if you'd like to do it electronically. Let's talk, first of all, about this phrase uh, from verse 3, and we'll say, in our faith. In our faith. So you look back to verse number 3. Look what he says, we're bound to thank God always for your brethren as it is meet because that your faith groweth exceedingly. Your faith groweth exceedingly. Now the people in Thessalonica in this church had a faith that was growing exceedingly. Did you know when you were in your mother's womb, there was a season when you were growing at a rate of 4% every day, okay? Every single day. That's incredible. Uh, and some of you, that, that didn't blow you away, so I'm going to say it another way. Uh, if you weight 150 pounds today, at a 4% a day growth rate, by next Sunday, you would weigh 197 pounds, okay? Which is what it sometimes feels like the week of Thanksgiving, right? It's like... Uh, but, but your growth rate was astounding. I mean, you went from a microscopic embryo 
to seven to eight pounds in 40 weeks. Your body multiplied itself 10 to 12 times in a very short period of time, doubling in size about every 21 days. Now, if you had kept going at that same growth rate, imagine how big you'd be now, right? If you doubled in size every 21 days, think of how big you'd be. But things slow way down once you're born. And by the time you're five or six years old, you're only growing a couple inches a year until you hit that puberty growth spurt, which never, I never hit that. It's like it missed, I missed it. And, and then you reach your adult height and not necessarily your adult weight though, right? And your growth is seasonal. And it, it just so happens that the faith of the believers in this church was going through a season of explosive growth. When a person received Jesus into his life, he is given the power to become a child of God. Jesus calls it being born again. Yeah, the first birth is physical. The second birth is spiritual. And, and some new believers grow exceedingly right away. Some have a faith that seems to lie dormant for months or, or even years before they realize what they've truly been given in Christ. Not just a ticket to heaven, but a lifestyle centered on the Lord. And we talked about that some last week. Now, one of the great catalysts to faith development is following the Lord in believer's baptism after salvation, publicly identifying with Jesus, taking the first step of obedience that Jesus gave to his children. And I've seen people have their faith stalled for years before they make this important decision. And then faith just takes off at a rapid pace. There are other catalysts that lead us to growth spurts. Uh, faithful church attendance can lead you to a growth spurt. Learning uh, the practice and blessing of giving, telling another person about the hope you have in Jesus can spur growth. Uh, reading God's Word for yourself, not just hearing it preached or taught by someone else. Uh, a prayer walk with God. Maybe the biggest growth catalyst in the life of a believer is trials, right? And trials uh, are there to teach us what God has for our lives. And most of the ways we become effective and become closer to God are through our, our trials, right? We find out that the God of the mountain is still God of the valley, and the valley is where we usually grow the most. And here's the thing, though. The catalysts, all have opposites, okay? And in chemistry, the opposite of a catalyst is an inhibitor, a growth blocker. And the lack of these same things can be a growth blocker in your faith. When you refuse to submit to God in any area of your life, growth stops. It just freezes, right? Do you ever play that game when you were a kid, the uh, you're running around the gym and your teacher would blow a whistle and it means freeze, right? And are you blowing, you know, or you, uh, do you play, play freeze tag? You ever play that? I bet Isaac was really good at that game. He is so quick. Just run, you know, like a whirling dervish, freeze, and then you freeze. Well, this is what happened in your spiritual growth. <clears throat> you're going along and you refuse to submit to something that God has for your life, and it freezes your growth. 
Yeah, that some people hit the growth wall uh, at baptism, others at giving, others at Bible reading, uh, others at pain, uh, others at witnessing, others at prayer. But you know, spiritual growth can shut down when we don't submit to the Bible's teaching and the Spirit's leading. Now think about this. If your two-year-old doesn't grow for five years, there will be some serious concern at your house, right? That's a big thing to be concerned about. And if you don't have any spiritual growth for years at a time, that is a cause for some major concern. But when we allow God to constantly develop our faith, we are walking worthy of His calling in our lives because that's part of what God has designed us to do. You know, Jesus didn't purchase us with his own blood to just sit here with dormant faith until he returns. We are called to present our bodies a living sacrifice to him because of his sacrifice for us. That is what Romans 12 calls reasonable service. We live out what we have been purchased to do. And I know some of you thought that the janitor messed up today right, and left this on stage. Actually, uh, we brought it out here on purpose. Yeah, did anybody notice it? Anybody? Just to see who notices stuff? Some of you are like, well, I didn't even know it was there. Why is there a vacuum on the stage? So uh, I, I would like to do an interview with a young person about this vacuum cleaner today. So I'm looking around who I want to interview. It has to be somebody who's really smart. And that's what's holding me up a little bit, okay? Um, all right, I think I'm going to pick Katie, because I think Katie's pretty smart. So Katie, come on up here. She's also getting pretty tall. I don't know if I really want her on stage. Does she have, uh, you have boots on too, don't you? Way to go, Katie. All right, now look at that. See that? She's got boots on, so she's got me beat today. Okay, Katie, so we're going to give her a microphone, Brock. All right. <clears throat> Okay, here, you come over on this side. i got to be by the pulpit because I'm in charge. Okay. Now, uh, Katie, if you were going to go buy a vacuum cleaner like this, how much money do you think you would pay at the store? $20, okay. It's not on? No. Okay, try it again. Hit him again. $20. $20, okay. How many of you think she's a little low? Okay, apparently you have bought a vacuum cleaner before, okay? <laughs> but I'm doing this for a reason, because it exposes what people her age think versus, you know, what, what happens, right? Um, <clears throat> I love to ask kids questions like, how much do you think a house costs? A hundred dollars, you know. Um, now, Katie knows more than that, but <clears throat> Katie, if, let, let's say you paid, you know, what would you think would be big money for a vacuum? Like, how much would you think would, like, that'd be a lot for a vacuum cleaner? $300. $300. Okay, so she went way up. I like that. Did you know that a vacuum like this brand new costs about $250? $250, okay? So if you bought this vacuum for $250, how many years would you like that vacuum cleaner to last? Five. So you got to talk in the microphone. Five. Five years. Okay, she wants it to last for five years. Okay, now how many of you think that she's 
is she about right? Should we expect it to last for about five years? How many would say it would be lower than five years? You could expect it to last lower than five years. You bought some Walmart vacuums, okay? Um, <laughs> how many of you would expect that it should last longer than five years? Okay, all right, so good. Now, Katie, how would you feel if you went to the store with your hard-earned money and you paid $250 for that vacuum and you brought it home and it didn't work? How would you feel about that? Um, angry. She would feel angry. What would you do immediately if it didn't work? Bring it back? She would bring it back to the store, right? She's a smart girl. Her mother has taught her well. You pay for something that doesn't work, you take it back to the store, right? Now, uh, how would you feel if, you know, it kind of worked, but after it vacuumed up a strip, then on the next strip, it spit all the stuff back out? Google it. She would Google it, okay? Yeah. This kid, I'm telling you, she has got it figured out. She's got life figured out. All right, I want you guys to give Katie a hand. Thank her. She did great. Not everybody can be put on the spot and come up and be, you know, that just amazing. Okay. So here we have our vacuum cleaner. Katie brought up a really good point. If I go buy a vacuum cleaner that I expect to last for at least five years, and I pay good hard-earned money for it, I expect my vacuum cleaner to work. And if it doesn't work, I'm taking it back. Right? You know, vacuum cleaners are not at all like us. You know how? These are machines that do not have any idea of right and wrong. They don't have any choice. They don't have any decision-making ability. You may have run across a Maverick vacuum once in a while, but they don't have any decision-making ability. We have the ability to make choices. And you know, we've been bought with a price, and I guarantee you that we haven't been doing always what we've been bought for right? Jesus purchased us with his own blood. There's nobody in here who could say, you know what? He's gotten what he's supposed to out of me every time. And yet, he never gives up on us. He doesn't take us back to the store. He doesn't trade us back in. He doesn't cast us out and throw us away. His grace is sufficient. Now, I'm bringing this point up because it's so important that we understand uh, that God has given us a calling, and he wants us to walk worthy of his calling, okay? So when we see the vacuum cleaner up here, it's going to remind us that God wants us to walk worthy of what we've been bought for. And uh, let's talk about this next part now in 2 Thessalonians 1. So we talked about in our faith. Now let's talk about in our charity. And I want you to look again at verse number 3. Okay, so it says, because that your faith groweth exceedingly and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Right? This is amazing. The people in Thessalonica were known for their love toward each other, even through a difficult season. First century Christianity under the Roman Empire was no picnic. 
It required an all-or-nothing commitment. Casual Christianity wasn't an option. They knew that they couldn't serve Jesus and the old stuff that they used to serve at the same time. There was no Christianity in name only back then. You were either in or out. And this required real love in the body of Christ, the kind of love that Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians 13, right? The, the love that endures, the love that doesn't speak evil, the, the love that doesn't envy, the love that doesn't put itself forward all the time, okay? That's the kind of love it's talking about. And when we have that love, at Centennial, we call that serving God by serving others. And when we serve God by serving others, we are walking worthy of His calling in our lives. Now, we don't love people to get something in return, okay? And there's a kind of a misappropriated idea about that. We don't even love people so that we'll be able to show them the gospel, Right? That's taught sometimes well. If we love them enough, we'll be able to share God's love with them. No, we don't love them just to get to that end. We love people because Jesus loves people. Right? We love them. And God wants us to love people unconditionally. That's what He does. And, and the worthy calling demands the authentic love of Christ toward other members of the human race, especially those in the household of God. Now, the me-first society that we live in is always looking to infiltrate our hearts. The, the enemy will do everything he can to divide believers because brotherly love is what Jesus identified to be a great attractant to Christianity. It's the kind of love that Jesus talked about in John 13 when he said this, by this Shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another? Did you catch that? Jesus said this. It's John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one toward another. Now, you think about a love that is worthy of his calling worthy of the price that he's paid for us. That's amazing to think about. Let's consider uh, what would not be worthy of his calling when it comes to this idea of loving each other. You know, gossiping about our brothers and sisters is not walking worthy of his calling, right? Refusing to forgive our brothers and sisters is not walking worthy of his calling. Making everything about ourselves is not walking worthy of his calling. None of us uh, get this right all the time. That's why Jesus gave his talk about relationships in the church in Matthew 18. And you can read in Matthew 18, Jesus says, listen, if your brother trespasses against you, uh, go and tell him his fault between him and you alone. And uh, if he shall hear you, you have gained your brother. Now, when we do it the Jesus way, 99% of the time, relationships are restored and offenses are forgotten and forgiven. And if I have been around you long enough, like if you already know me uh, and I've been around you at all, I guarantee you that I have offended you at some point in time. Now, why is that? Because that's what we sinners do, right? We offend each other. 
right? I usually offend my wife uh, at least once a day, right? I do. I'm a sinner. Uh, and you pious people who are smiling right now, you do too. In fact, I heard that some of you def- offend your wife twice a day, right? Well, we offend each other. That's what we do. And, and when we offend each other, you basically have three options at that point. Okay, option one, ignore the offense. Let it go, let it go. Don't hold it back anymore. Okay, and my mom uh, used to quote Psalm 119, 165 to us all the time when we were kids, right? We'd get bent out of shape or get upset at each other, and she'd say, come in here. Uh, you guys are going to quote this first, Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I don't even know if that's what the verse actually means when I read it now, but that's how she used it, right? Nothing shall offend them. So now option one, let it go, okay? Not a big deal. We're human, right? We mess up. Let it go. Option two, and it's an important option, uh, you just aren't able to ignore it, right? It, it keeps coming back. You keep thinking about it. Like, that bothers me. And, and so the Bible process is you come and tell me. You're like, hey, not sure if you realized it, but last week you pulled in front of me in the parking lot, and, uh, you know, I was late for lunch because of the, uh, you know, whatever it is, okay? Not sure if you realize it, but there's something between us. And, you know, that's the Jesus way that almost always fixes the problem and restores the relationship. Okay, so there's option one and two. Now, option three, you go and tell everybody else about the offense without ever talking to me. And uh, look, that option, it doesn't work well for anybody. For me, for you, for the body of Christ, uh, or for the unsaved who are always watching how God's people treat each other. Okay, so unity in Christ is not you think like me, uh, or I'll think like you, it's let's both think like Christ, okay? We're not called to think like each other. We're called to think like Christ. And in our charity, God wants us to walk worthy of our calling, worthy of the price that Jesus paid for us on the cross. And when Jesus paid the price for us, it's because he wants us to walk worthy of the price, now, at our house, I didn't bring our vacuum today. Uh, Amy and I, when the first year we were married, this guy knocked on our door, and it was late in the evening. He's like, hey, folks, uh, I'm here today, and I'd like to show you how dirty your carpet is. You're like, you did what? <laughs> I want to show you how dirty your carpet is. Could I come in for a minute? I'll give you a free flashlight. And uh, by this time, he had put his foot in the door where we could not close it, right? Like, because he had been trained to do this. And so we couldn't get his foot out of the door, so we said, okay, we'll take a free flashlight. Well, he came in and pulled out this Kirby vacuum cleaner, and he put this screen on it, and he vacuumed a part of our carpet that we thought we had just vacuumed, and all of a sudden, he took this screen off, and he said, you guys want to see it? Like, what? We just vacuumed, right? And so he did a few other places through the house, and all of it was dirty, and then he pulled out this black screen. And he said, I hate to break this to you guys, but your bed 
is dirty. Like, you've been to our bed? How do you know? So he takes this big old vacuum cleaner in there, puts it on top of our bed, and turns it on and runs it for one strip, and his black screen was white. Right? Totally white. Because we were sloughing off dead skin by, like, the load, apparently. And so he talked to us, and finally we signed this deal Katie, 1994, to buy a $1,600 vacuum cleaner. You know why we did that? Because we were idiots! <laughs> and because it was only like $25 a month for like 14 years. <laughs> and guess what? That Kirby vacuum cleaner, 27 years later, still works. Still works. We still shampoo carpet with it. Cody and Michaela shampoo their carpets with it. Get these massive amounts of dog hair on it. And it still works. Now, would you say that 27 years on a vacuum cleaner you purchased, would you say that was a good purchase? That's a pretty good purchase, right? I wonder how many days of actual spiritual service God gets out of us for the payment that Jesus made. And that's why we want to talk about this third part, in our endurance. And we see this as we get on through the passage, starting in verse number 4. So that we ourselves glory in you, in the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Now, we mentioned a while ago, the people of the Thessalonica church, they faced such harsh circumstances to the point that they constantly yearned for Christ's return, which is one of the reasons Paul had written them the first letter, 1 Thessalonians. They thought that Jesus had been gone from the earth long enough, and even though there were thousands of people still living in 54 A.D., that had seen Jesus alive before his resurrection, they longed for him to come back. Because life was too hard without him. While they waited, they were patiently and steadfastly holding on to their faith, which is the way Jesus wants those who walk worthy of his calling to live their lives. Look over a few pages to your right to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 and verse number 11. <clears throat> I want to show you this short little passage that goes with what we're talking about with our endurance. Look what it says, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Now, grace doesn't just save us. Look what else it does. Verse 12. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace calls us to live holy and watch for Jesus to come back. And in the meantime, we live this righteous, godly, sober way in this present world. Now, I've seen believers in other places in the world who literally every morning 
I'm telling you, every day they're praying for Jesus to come back. They're daily watching for Jesus to come back. Their lives are so difficult that his return is a constant verbal hope. Like they say it out loud. Now, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but many American believers haven't exactly made watching Jesus and his return any type of priority. Uh, Because life here isn't nearly as hard. I looked the other day, there are over 2 billion people on earth who make less than $20 a week. I said 2 billion. Many of them even less than that. They don't have AC and cars and gadgets. In a lot of places, they still carry water from a local well or stream to be able to live. Now, I'm not trying to guilt you into feeling badly about living where you live. That's not the point. But I am cautioning you that a comfy lifestyle could keep you from being vigilant about the Lord's return. And it could hold you back from walking worthy of the kingdom of God. They were going through persecution and trouble uh, there in Thessalonica. And we said earlier, trials and persecution are catalysts for our spiritual endurance. And when you read about their persecution and their trouble, you know, it wasn't like their team lost a game or their car broke down. It was like they were being martyred for their faith. Okay, they had real trials. What James said works real patience in James 1. These believers in Thessalonica had these catalysts to jumpstart their patience. And many times here now, we don't face persecution, but we all face trials and pain and trouble. So how do we respond? Well, God wants us to respond like those who are counted worthy of the kingdom of God. You say, well, how's that? Well, if you look at how they faced trouble and persecution, look back at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and let's finish up by talking about in our worship. When they were persecuted, they worshiped. When they faced trials, they worshiped. The people in the church in Thessalonica weren't perfect, but it says in verse 11 that their prayer was that God would count them worthy of his calling. And they determined to make glorifying the name of Jesus their foremost priority. This is God's desire for us. Do all to the glory of God. That's what Jesus hung on the cross for us to do with our lives. And since we're bought with the price, since we've been given new life in Christ, since God continues to develop us to be more like Jesus, our lives and our worship should be worthy of this calling. Now, to put a bow on all of this, let's go back to a passage we visited earlier for the faith challenge. And I said from Titus chapter 2, Uh, that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And that that grace brings daily fruit into our lives. It makes us live for God. It makes us live holy lives, righteous lives, where we show forth the fruit of the Spirit, where we walk worthy of God's calling. And I'll tell you this, the grace of salvation doesn't leave you the same way that it finds you. Okay? Now, you come to Jesus just as you are, right? Maybe when you were a kid, you remember that song, Just As I Am Without One Plea, right? 
You come to God just as you are, but you leave changed. And if God's grace is still changing you, then you're on the path to walking worthy of his calling. If God's grace doesn't seem to be moving you forward anymore, I promise you that his grace is not what's holding it up, okay? It usually goes back to what we mentioned at the beginning of the message. There is a point of submission that you refuse to yield to God. And until that point is yielded, you cannot continue to grow as a believer. Now, as you sit here this morning, you might know exactly what it is. You might know that point where you told God no and your growth stopped. And the Holy Spirit might be kind of telling you what it is right now. It could be that you don't know why you're not moving forward in your Christian walk. But I guarantee you this, if you honestly ask the Holy Spirit to show you what is limiting your faith, He will. Through Scripture, through preaching, through a circumstance, through a friend, the Spirit's whispers invite us back into the growth process. It could be that you've never given your heart to Jesus. You've never truly been born again. And you can't have spiritual growth without spiritual life. That would be impossible. There's no person who can become more like Jesus without Jesus. Got to have him in the process. And so as we talk today about walking worthy of being what God has called us to be, of doing what Jesus has purchased us to do. And when I think of that, I, I just am so thankful for God's grace. There are a million, million times where he could have taken me back to the store. Back to the, the Christian store and said, you know what? This one's a dud. Right? I paid for a bad one. Right? He does one strip and he picks it up and then on the next strip he spits it all back out. Right? And he takes one step forward and then he takes two steps back. I'm so thankful for God's grace. His grace is what saves us and keeps us and moves us forward in spiritual growth. The question today is, are you walking worthy of what Jesus has done for you? Let's bow together. Father, thank you so much for your grace. It doesn't just guide us to salvation, but it guides us toward a spiritual walk. It guides us toward faith, toward love, toward endurance, and toward worship. We thank you for this passage that has showed us all of those things this morning. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before you